All right, so here's the issue. Most of you have read or heard uh, the, the scripture that's found at the very beginning of the Bible, and it starts like this, in the beginning. It's a good way to start a book. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And so one of the things that we wrestle with when we come to a, a, a passage and a chapter like Genesis 1, one of the challenges and tendencies for us is to read this through our modern lens. For us to come to this scripture, for us to come to this passage and begin to ask modern questions of it that were never intended to be asked of this passage. Does that make sense? If we miss it at the beginning, we're going to miss a lot of things through the whole story of the Bible. If we put our expectations onto the passage and we don't read the passage for what it is or what it was intended to be, we're going to have all kinds of mistakes and challenges as we walk through the rest of the story. So how we read at the beginning, in the beginning, is really, really important. Now, there's some things that happen in here that because we live in a modern world and the context and the culture in which we live, we just miss it. We just don't understand the ways that they understood. And there'll be some things in the future that are understood different than they are today. Like in 100 years, they'll see things differently than we see it. And one of our challenges is that we think we've figured it out. Can I get an amen? amen. Like everyone who ever lived before us, I mean, they just... I mean, they, they tried, but they're just not as smart as us. Like, we have finally arrived at the pinnacle of intelligence, and no one else in all of human history can understand what we can understand today. We've figured it out, and we've got it down. If we a approach Scripture like that, we're going to have some, some trouble. We need to come humbly to the Scripture. Um, let me ask you a question. When your kids were young, if you have kids or grandkids, where did you tell them the sun rose in the morning? In the east, right? The sun rises in the east. Where does the sun set? In the west, right? So the sun rises in the, and the sun sets in the, okay, does the sun rise and set? Or does the earth spin? Now, we say things that make a lot of sense to us, and we know, I mean, we understand, like that, now the sun's moving too, we're all moving. The sun's moving, we're moving, we're spinning, everything's moving. But the sun's not actually rising in the way we think of rising and setting. The earth is spinning, which makes it look like the sun's rising. Let me ask you another question. Now you're like, oh, he's going to ask a bunch of trick questions today. What color is the sky? Blue. The sky's blue. Or, or, or is the light from the sun actually bright white? And when it hits the particles in our atmosphere, light begins to scatter, or, or the particles scat scatter the light in all kinds of directions. And the reason we see blue in the sky is because the blue uh, wavelengths are smaller than all the other wavelengths, meaning the blue is what we see the most. And so we observe the sky as blue, but it's not actually a blue sky. It's just particles that are bouncing, and it's the particles we see the most. Is that what we see when we see a blue sky? Whoa. And some of you are like, Matt, you lost me at this sermon. The reason I bring all that up is because how we, how we view and understand what we read, the, the questions that we bring to the text are really important. 
And so what I want us to do is I want us to step back and maybe step out of some of our modern ways of reading Genesis chapter 1. And let me tell you what I mean by that. So often we come to Genesis chapter 1 and it's the creation narrative, it's the creation story that's in poetic form. We begin to ask scientific questions that were never intended to be asked of this text. For example, did God literally create all that we see in seven 24-hour periods? That question was never really intended to be asked of this text. Now, could God have done that? Absolutely. Might that be your view? It might be your view. Other people view that seven days as just symbolic of longer periods of time. Those people are called old earth people, um, young earth people or the other people. And then some people approach Scripture, and I think this is incredibly healthy, approach, approach Scripture in a literary way, not literal, but literary way, in which they try to get to what Scripture was intending to bring to us and understand what the original intent and God's intent in bringing it to us is. Are you with me so far? Okay. So in the beginning, God. God was in the beginning. And it's one of the most important things for us to understand is that God has always been. That's part of what we want to find in Scripture is this this beautiful picture of how God interacts with humanity from the very beginning. God has always been. Now, Eugene Peterson um, passed away a few years ago, but one of my favorite writers as well, Eugene Peterson, and he talks about uh, Genesis in this way. First, God. God is the subject of life. God is foundational for living. If we don't have a sense of the primacy of God, how God is primary and foundational, we will never get it right, never get life right, never get our lives right. Your life and my life rests on the primacy, the the foundation of God. Your breath itself is a picture of God in you. It's unbelievable when you begin to understand like what Scripture is, is trying to lead us to. Not God at the margins, not God as an option, not God on the weekends, God at the center and circumference of it all. God first and last. God, period. That is what Scripture wants us to understand and see. That God is the center of all things. And it's God's grace that brings us life. It's God's grace that brings you life. And it's not just on the margins. God wants to be, God is a part of everything. He goes on, Eugene Peterson goes on. God doesn't work impersonally from space. And oftentimes, we view God as like, God's somewhere in the dark. And he's orchestrating things. And he just says things and throws his power around in different ways, however that works, which we don't fully understand, but it's like, God, God, but. God is not impersonal, and he's not at a distance. And one of the things Genesis 1 wants us to understand is that God is a part of it all. God is here, and God is with you when you drive off this campus. God is with you in your car when you're driving too slow on Shea, and he's, he's with you when you're watching the football game this afternoon, and he is with you in the kitchen, and he's with you when you're son or daughter comes home crying, like God is all over the place. He works with us. He's where we are. He finds us as we are. 
no matter what we do, whether good or bad, we continue to be a part of everything that God is doing. Now, this is a good news story. Genesis chapter 1 is a good news story. Like, we are a part of it all because God wants us to be. Listen, I want you to hear this today. Don't miss this. God chooses, not only did God create you, he chooses you. God chooses you, and he never leaves you in that. He never changes his mind about his choice of you. You are, 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 are a part of it. Nobody can drop out because there's no place to drop out to. Isn't that an interesting thought? Oftentimes we think when I make a mistake or when I screw it up again, like I always do, somehow I'm outside of God's realm. There's no place to be outside of God's realm. This world, as we'll find in Genesis chapter 1, this world is God's home. And we're a part of it. Whether we like it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are a part of God's world in which he created, and we're here for a purpose. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the way we view heavens, sometimes we think he's creating another realm for us to be a part of, but the word here, the Hebrew word for heavens, literally means sky. God created the skies, and he created the ground. It's given us two different realms, but not like two different places, like the heavens somewhere up there. It's just the skies. In the beginning, God created the skies, created the ground in which we, we walk on, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep abyss. The language here is really hard for us to understand. When it says the earth was formless and empty, if there was nothing already there, then what was the earth? You see, it's not like a scientific explanation of things at this point. It's just God uh, giving, in, in Hebrew understanding, how do we talk about these things? The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered everything. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the darkness and the abyss and the nothingness, the chaos that was around. Like, God's Spirit was there. And we're going to come back to that, so don't miss that. And then we get into what's normally seen as, as the seven days of creation. And as we walk through this, I, I want you to see some of it in a different way and so day one, where God creates light and dark, and he speaks it into being, like, let there be light, and there was light, and there was darkness already. Um, so this is from the web, the new Webb telescope, not the Joe Webb telescope. <laughs> the new telescope. Have you seen some of the images from the, the web? I mean, it's unbelievable what we're seeing. And so uh, maybe it, it looked something like this as things began to come into being, or this is another image from maybe day one, um, like that's way out in space. I mean, it's just unbelievable when you begin to take in the images and the vastness and the hugeness of the universe. And what's so crazy about this is God begins with this big, vast everything, but God's, like, his most prized creation is you and me. I mean, look how beautiful that is. But to God, that wasn't the point. You are. I mean, look at your neighbor. I mean, seriously, look at the person next to you and say, it's you. It's you. It's you. And don't tell them, like, just say it's you. It's like you. Like, you're the prized creation of what God was putting together. I mean, this is awesome. And then on the second day, he separated from the waters below and the waters, and so it was like this dome kind of thing. So he created the sky so 
This picture from NASA shows us maybe the sky and what looked, looked like maybe God separating what was above and what was below, and so he was beginning to put these things into being. Don't miss the part that God speaks all these things into creation, but a little bit later we're told that God actually got his hands dirty when he created you and me because God was so interested in putting us together in a certain place. Did you catch that? God said, let there be light, and there was light, like he spoke it into being, but when it comes to humanity, when it comes to you and me, God gets his hands dirty. He forms us out of the dirt, and he breathes life into us. I think that tells us a lot about who God is and how interested he is in our lives and our being and what we're called to be. Are you with me? So the sky, then he does the sky. And then the third day, he creates dry land. He pulls the waters back, and dry land begins to come into place. And he says, let there be like seed-bearing fruit uh, or, or uh, plants that then kind of produce more of their own. And so there's these beautiful plants that begin to emerge as he separates the waters from the ground, but he's creating dry ground is what he's doing. And then on the next day, day four, he creates the sun and the moon, have you ever been reading through Genesis chapter 1? Don't answer that out loud because most of you will be like, no. But have you ever been reading and like slowed down and go, well, if he created light and dark on day one, then how is it the sun and moon are coming on day four? Like that seems like it's out of order. Isn't that weird? And again, sometimes we're putting our expectations on this rather than reading it for what it was intended to be. And then, if you read chapter 2 of Genesis, a lot of it's in a different order. Oh, my goodness, I've confused you. Stay with me. I don't want to lose you. Stay with me. Stay with me, all right? So he creates the sun and the moon. I mean, look at the sun, these pictures that we have of the sun and the moon, and it's just unbelievable. Don't look at the sun when you go outside. It's not good for your eyes. And then, um, and then he begins to create different creatures, and so he creates in the sky and in the, the water, so in, like... Um, in the waters, he says, let there be fish. Have you ever been snorkeling or scuba diving anywhere? Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable, the creativity of all these creatures that are, like, all over the ocean and in the skies, the birds. I'm not a bird person, but some of you are bird. Any bird people in the room? You, like, love looking at birds until they're close to you, and then you're not as, like, friendly with birds, but, like, you love birds. Like, God, like, fills the skies and the, and the waters with all these things. He speaks, and, they ha and it just happens. It's unbelievable, the power of God. And then God says, we need to fill the earth as well, not just the skies and the waters, but let's fill the dry ground as well. And so he, like, gets into creative mode and starts forming animals. What did you say was your favorite animal? Horse? Raccoon? What? Raccoon? <laughs> Lindsay, like this morning when we asked Lindsay, she said sloth. I was like, sloth? Who's picking a sloth? And we had monk. I mean, we had all kinds of answers. Okay, what'd you say over here? Giraffe. I mean, the creativity of a giraffe, a long-necked animal that, I mean, unbelievable. What do giraffes even do? Who knows? But God created them. They're awesome. Um, what else? Dog, yes. Cat, no. God did not create cats. That's the, <laughs> that comes from the other place. Anyway, we'll read that. When we do our series on Revelation, we'll get into cats. So, um, bison, like, 
Buffalo, I know, I'm terrible. People email me this week, it's fine. Joe at McDowell.Church, let me know how bad I am. Bison, I love bison. I don't know why bison, it's like one of my favorite animals. I love owls as well, but they're in the air. So bison, like I love bison, and um, I don't even, I, again, I don't know why, but this was a beautiful picture. So bison, and then, um, but even like smaller animals, like with detail, like God, like frogs. Geico, yes. Are you an agent? You, like trying to get business right now. That's not, anyway, God created it, like the animals and all those kind of things. And when you begin to look at like the layout, and I'm going to skip ahead here for a minute, Kyle. When you begin to look at the layout of what God did, look at the order behind what he said he was doing. So if you look at the creation days, um, in the first three days, uh, think of this as a poem, Genesis chapter 1. In the first three days, he creates time, day and night. He creates the dome, the sky and the seas, and then he creates ground. And if you look at the corresponding, the next three days, he creates something to govern lights, the day and the night, the, 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 the sun and the moon, right? And then he creates creatures, birds and fish, to live in the air and in the, the sea. And then for the ground and uh, what's on the ground, he creates inhabitants, animals, and humans, do you see how it fits together in such this, this beautiful order that has come? Remember what it said. It was a deep abyss with no order to it. It was just nothingness, soup, soupiness. And God brings this beautiful order, time, the sky and the seas, and the dry ground, and then he puts people or he puts things in the right place to govern those. Are you with me still? Like, are, you, are we nerding out this morning or what? Now stay with me, like this, I'm going to bring it home in just a minute to why it matters, why all this matters. There's such order and beauty and life to every piece that God puts together. Don't miss that. There's such beauty, there's order, there's life to all of it. And then he, he, he creates rest. You know how important rest is? Sleep. Yes, yeah, some of you are like, I, can I do that now? Is that allowed? Will God see me? I'm in church. I don't know. Like rest is so important to creation. Listen, we are learning more and more about the health of humans who either choose or refuse to rest. Rest is one of the most important pieces of being a healthy human. Why? Because God built it into us. He actually built it into the ground as well. Did you know this? Like he built into his ground the idea that the ground is supposed to rest. And uh, in, in the Old Testament, it talks about every seven years, let the ground take a rest. Don't keep planting more and more and more because you'll suck all the stuff out of the ground that you don't want to suck out of the ground. You need to give it rest so it can be replenished. The same is true for you and me. Sabbath is a really important piece of God's creation and it's not something that was created for you just to bow down to. It was created for you. Rest was created for you. Aren't you thankful for that? You might not be thankful for anything else we just talked about, but you might, go, you might say, thank God for sleep. Amen? God gave us rest, and he commands us to rest. It's a part of everything, the idea of rest and seasons. Um, two things that are repeated again and again. God saw that it was good. What he created, God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good, and in the very end, he saw that it was very good. It's so good. What started out as ugly nothingness turned into beauty and good. Isn't that great? What starts as like 
disjointed can become a beautiful picture of God's life and love in the world. And one other thing that I think is so cool is when he creates humans, he blesses them. No, no, go back, go back, go back. Um, it's, it's before that little child. Oh, and God saw that was good. Then the next one. And then God blessed them. Now look at that person next to you. That's like at the center of God's, like it was humanity. God wanted to create the beauty. Like look at them and just say, you're blessed. I'm serious. Tell them, you're blessed. Tell them, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Stay with me. Don't get talking to your neighbor too much. But It's true. God created you, and he blesses you, and that's good news. Sometimes we think the good news part of the Bible comes in the second half. Good news is tucked into the very beginning. You're blessed, and you might have had the worst week of your life this week. You might have made a mess of things. Don't nudge your neighbor right now. Your husband, I see some of you like, your husband, you made a mess of things. You said something you shouldn't have said. You wish you could take it back. You can't take it back. Still blessed. God blesses you. God blesses you. God blesses you. And we can't forget that at the center of God's creation, he created man and woman, and he blesses us. Don't forget it. Like, God blesses you. He looks at you, and he says, this is really good. Now, you might be a mess on the outside, but God sees, hey, oh, man, I should have written this one down. When God looked at the very beginning, he saw a mess, but he saw the potential of that mess. You might be a mess on the outside, but God sees your potential, and he blesses you for his goodness. He blesses you. There's, oh, man, that's some good stuff. Anyway, okay, so Kyle, we're back to where we were supposed to be. Here are three takeaways. So if you've totally disconnected during the whole creation picture thing going on, come back, come back. This is why it matters to you. This is why it matters to me. The God who brought order and life to our world, the God who brought order and life to our world is the same God who can bring order and light to the chaos and darkness in your life. And listen, some of you have a lot of chaos and darkness in your life right now. Some of you have that. You're sitting here today, and you're thinking, Matt's talking about all this creation stuff and awesome, beautiful pictures, whatever, National Geographic, I don't know where he found them, awesome, but my life is a wreck right now, and I need a word from God. I'm telling you, the word from God is that the same God who was in the very beginning is the God who sees you and who wants to bring life and light into your darkness and chaos. That is the good God of the world, and it's the good news is that you don't deserve it, you don't earn it, but he gives it to you anyway, and he never leaves you. He's with you. So I don't know what darkness is in your life. I don't know what chaos is swirling around, but God sees more. And God wants to look, he wants to join, he's already with you, he wants to join in with your life in a way that he could say, now it is good, it is good, it is good. Don't you want that? Don't you want the goodness of God? Maybe it's dark, don't you want the light of God to give you hope and encouragement and all those things? 
the creation story begins to set in place an understanding that even though we experience great chaos and darkness, there is a God who is powerful and who can bring us out. And that's good news. Um, the next slide, Kyle. Um, God gave everything a place and a purpose. Like if, if you read through that, that Genesis framework of, of chapter 1, Look at the framework of it all. He gives everything a place and a purpose. There was nothing that, that wasn't intended, except for maybe the cat, but nothing else was unintended in the creation. Listen, don't miss this. And this includes you. This includes you. Everything that God creates has both a place and a purpose. And God has a place for you and a purpose for you in this world. You're not here by accident. You have purpose in the places you find yourself. You have purpose in your home. You have purpose in your neighborhood. You have purpose in your work. You have purpose in retirement. You are, God is not done with your life. And he has placed you exactly where he wants you to bring about his good in this world. And he wants to walk that out with you. He won't leave you. Like you have a place and a purpose. And I hope that's encouraging to you. You want to know one of the challenges? We usually look at other people's places and purposes and wish we were there. Ooh, that's a little painful. But it's true. So often we're so focused on other people and other places and other purposes and we think, I wish I could do that. And we miss the purpose God has for us in the places we are. I don't know if I can, I, like, I, I want this to sink in in my heart and my mind and I hope you just come, like, I hope you get that too. So often we look at people who we think are successful and out there and all of those things, and we, we wish that was our place. We wish that was our purpose. But God has given us a place and a purpose. I, um, I was on a plane recently, and I watched, um, I love documentaries. I watched The Legend of Eddie Aiku. I don't know if you've heard of him. Some of you are like, what are you watching these documentaries on? It was on Disney. I don't know. Um, and it, he was a surfer in Hawaii back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, I believe. And um, he's just unbelievable. And I am, like, I'm astounded by what surfers can do, swimmers and all of that in Hawaii with all the crazy animals and the waves. And if you've ever been to Hawaii, the, uh, like on the North Shore, like the waves are crazy. And, and I'm always amazed by all those things. A couple years ago, Robin and I took Connor on a senior trip. It was his senior year in high school, and we've told all the boys we're going to take you on a senior trip, just you, not the other kids, and it'll just be the three of us. We'll spend some time together, celebrate all the things, you know, that have been a part of your life. And um, we went to Hawaii, and one of the things we were really looking forward to was uh, snorkeling. I think that picture of the fish, by the way, was one of Connor's pictures in Hawaii, um, snorkeling. And I'm a terrible swimmer. Um, I, like, I sink. Like, Robin will uh, attest to this. Like, I just sink to the bottom. It's hard for me to swim, and um, I just never learned how to do it correctly, and I, I just am no good at swimming. And so the first day, we're super excited about getting out and snorkeling, 
And we come to this place that it, uh, we read all the locals say, this is the, one of the best places to go. So we get there, and we're walking out to where you get into the water, and it's this little tide pool area where the water comes in, and then it kind of takes you out into the ocean. And so we get there, and there's a local, and we're asking her, we say, so is this the place that you get in? We read, and she's like, oh, this is exactly it. And she said, but the water is a little dangerous today. And we were like, oh, no problem. Like, would you do it? Like, if, if you were out snorkeling, would you swim today? And she was like, oh, I would. But if you're not a very good swimmer, I would recommend you don't do it. Like, it's dangerous today. Don't do it. And we're like, oh, yeah, we'll be good. We got flippers, masks, snorkel. What could go wrong? And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm the dad, 17-year-old who's with us, and I'm like, I should go first. And so... I get down, I'm the worst swimmer of the three of us. I get down in the water, it pulls me out, and I realize really quickly that I have made a huge mistake. I mean, huge mistake. And um, I am fighting the current pretty significantly, and I start to panic. And in my fighting of the current and in my um, panic, I lose one of my flippers. And now I feel like I'm really in trouble but I don't want to scare Connor, who's about to get in the water. And I'm like, yeah, don't get in. I'll be right back. <laughs> and he kind of walks around, and then Robin's there by herself for a second, and I'm like, I need help. She's like, what? And I'm like, I need help. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want to die alone. <laughs> and Robin had to swim in and get me. And she's a really good swimmer. She's swam her whole life and laps and all that kind of stuff. Robin literally had to come in, and, and she, um, the whole rescue thing, she put her arm around my neck. I was like, are you trying to kill me right now? And <laughs> she got me out of the, the current that I, um, I, and I was fighting as hard as I could, and I just was not getting any closer. And I realized in that moment, I was not made for the ocean. I was made for the dry ground. I am not Eddie Aku or whatever his name is. I'm Matt, and I need to be on dry ground. Some of us are trying to swim in a world we weren't created for. I heard Stephen Furtick talking about this, and he was talking about how um, we live in like the little mermaid perspective. I want to be a part of that world. Remember the little mermaid? And she was just wanting to be a part of someone else's world. Listen, we were made to be a part of the world we were put in. And we were given, each of us were given a place and a purpose. And sometimes we feel out of place, and maybe it's because we're trying to flap our wings in a sky we weren't created to fly in. Or we're trying to swim in an ocean we weren't created to be a part of. Are you with me? God gave you a place. He gave me a place and a purpose, and we need to move in the places that we were made for. And last one, last little takeaway from Genesis when you work through it, is that you and I were created by God in his image. This is so, this is so key to the whole story of Scripture. Genesis all the way through Revelation. You and I were created by God in the image of God. You bear the mark. I bear the mark of our creator. No matter how scarred it is, and we're all scarred, all of us, we have scars. But we still bear that mark. You and I 
carry God's breath in us, the breath of the divine creator who has always been and who always will be. We carry his breath in us. The second chapter says that God, when he formed humanity, he, he leaned over and actually breathed his breath, and his breath is what gives us life. And so as long as you're breathing, God is with you. As long as you're breathing, God is with you. And the beauty of Scripture is that tells us that even after we stop breathing, we are welcomed into a world forever with God. It's unbelievable how all of this fits together. Not only that, you've been blessed by God. You bear His image, and you partner with Him in bringing about good. Here's, here's your purpose, and your place is to do what God did. God created all that He created, and He looked at it, and He said, it is good. And then He created humanity to partner with Him in bringing about good in this world of potential. Like that's our role is to bring about good. Some of you are teachers, some of you are managers, uh, some of you are business owners. I mean, all these different things. Some of you are consultants, uh, some of you are professors and coaches. And listen, God has placed you in your place, in your spot with a purpose. And part of that purpose is to join with him and bringing as much good into that sphere of this world as possible. The beginning of the Bible begins with this beautiful creation, and then there's um, this, God creates us to bear his image. Oh, let me give you this, like, um, I have in my wallet, like this, um, this, who's this? Who's that on there? This is, this is my um, license. Who is that? Some of you are in the back are like, come on, Matt, you lost me at holding up a license that small. Who is that right there? It's actually, this is ink on this card that is an image of me. And you and I bear the image of God and one of the greatest challenges in the storyline of the Bible is that we are working not to bear the image of God. We are working to be God ourselves. That's where things go wrong, is when we want to be God, when we want to play God's role in the story rather than bear his image. We are called to bear his image. Uh, one of the coolest parts of the Bible and how it fits together, John chapter 1 says this, in the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created through Him. Jesus is the picture of humanity that we are to strive towards. Like the way that Jesus lived. And He lived this life not by exerting control and power, but by serving and sacrifice in order to bring about good for the whole world. I mean, it's it's the storyline of all of Scripture. The end of the Bible talks about God putting all things back together. And it doesn't talk about us escaping to the sky. It actually talks about God coming to earth and remaking it all. We were placed here for a reason. To work with God to bring about good in his world. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to sing this last song um, and this is going to be the anthem for our series. This is a brand new song. We've never sung it before.
And it's going to be the anthem for our series. And it's called Same God. And it talks about the same God who was a part of creation, the same God who was a part of Mary's life, the same God who was a part of David's life, is the same God who is with you and me today. And as we sing this, maybe you want to make your way to a candle and ask God's spirit to be with you. Light a candle just symbolically saying, God, I need the light of you, your being to to light up the darkness. So maybe you want to light a candle. There's communion in the back of the room. Maybe you want to pick up communion and be reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus. There's a prayer wall. Maybe you need to write a prayer. We just want to give you some space. But listen, don't miss the lyrics of this song. And know that the same God of creation is the God who can bring about light and life for you and me. God, thank you for your love, your grace. Thank you for the scripture that teaches us and leads us along the path, that invites us into your world. And um, I pray that as we sing, that we would understand that you are with us, that you are here, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. You are the same God that we read about in Scripture. We pray this in Jesus' name.